Hello, hello. This is Deo Moano. I'm here with Persevere to Excel podcast. In this podcast, we are going to be talking about failing forward. Yes, literally falling on your face forward so you can continue to progress, not falling backwards, right? Because when you feel backwards, it means the circumstances you've gone through is pushing you back and you can't progress. So what I'm going to be talking about is the circumstances you've gone through, mistakes that you've made, that you fall forward in order to learn from me and continue on. Hello, what's going on? I am so pumped to be here with you all on this podcast. It's snowing crazy right now in New Hampshire. We got a little bit of a taste of some good weather the last like week and a half and then boom, back at it again. This week, I made a video where I was talking about um, getting used to the uncomfortableness, right? Being stretched, not running away from that uncomfortableness and that stretch. The reason why is because a lot of development happens through that stretching period. And once you've conquered now you've built upon, you know, the, the muscles, right? And this is the metaphorically, but the strength and the development that you've had through those hardship um, allows you to move forward. So I made this video earlier this week, posted it on Instagram, and I started to think about what my next podcast topic was going to be. And I wanted to really talk about what actually happens when you're in that stretching period, in that stretching moment. And sometimes there's things that happen that's under our responsibilities, right? We're the ones who've caused it. And then there's times that it happens where it's not under our responsibility, but we still need to do something about it. So I want to, I want to focus on that. And I'm going to specifically talk about experiences that I've had with owning properties and how it's impacted me, right? The, the mistakes and failure that I've ha- I had during that process. I wrote a blog a couple of years ago about how my family and I actually ended up on the TV show Dancing with the Stars, which came from my family being finalist for the TV show Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Uh, we went really far. The, the producers had an agreement with the city where I lived when I was younger and they pulled the plug. But the producers also had relationship with the TV show Dancing with the Stars and they were able to pitch our story to them. They wanted to highlight us and we ended up on Dancing with the Stars. In that blog, I talk about how that experience really impacted me, but also kind of gave me this like push to say, hey, you know, I don't really need to rely on someone else to buy me a house. I need to work hard and be able to buy my own self a house. So that's really like the genesis of it. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I graduated from college and I was working for the State Department at National Passport Center. I was an adjudicator, GS7. Hey, let's go. And it was a federal job. And I was also working part time at a college as a student success coach, helping adult learners figure out how they're going to complete their college degree through an online competency-based education. I was living in a small apartment with my wife and child, and I started to think about what our next move was going to be. At the time, I was super young. I, I started the journey when I was 21 years old. I reached out to a bunch of people that I knew and said, hey, I'm interested in 
purchasing a home, what does that look like? What's the process like? Luckily, I had some mentors that went to my church that I attended at the time that had different properties and they've, you know, they renovate properties. And one, one of the mentor said, hey, Dale, I am going to be looking out for you. Here are some of the steps that you need to do first. First, you need to go meet with a mortgage broker in order to figure out what you get qualify based on your income. Do you have a good enough credit to be able to get a place? So I'm like, okay, so there's a, such a thing as credit score. And then that credit score is influenced by your overall income. And then they put that all together and they look at your debt, right? What you owe in order to figure out how much you can qualify for a home. I'm like, huh, this is where the journey starts. So the first thing I had to do was meet with a banker, a broker to be able to inform me of what I needed. So I showed him all my documentations. I've always, I've always worked. I started working since I was 13 years old. So, uh, and luckily I always did things right. So I always did taxes and people took taxes out. So I had a little bit of a record in terms of an employee employment, but it was always like part-time here, there. So when I was showing him my stuff at the time, I had like five jobs. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I was working full-time at the state department. I was working part-time at the college. I was teaching dance at two different studios. I was working in an after-school program. So like all of this thing. So I I bring up all the stuff to show him and he's a little confused. He's like, whoa, this, how can this be? So what he ends up doing, he pretty much prioritized on, I think he was like one, like he took like my income from the state department and also the income from, I think he was like one of the dance studio where I was teaching at the time for like five years. And then he put the numbers together and then he said, Hey, this is going to, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. You, you, you don't really have a lot of credit history, so you need to build up your credit score. And so at the moment I was like, we just, we just, um, we got a car that we're financing. So he's like, you know, give it about a year. Uh, you'd be in a good spot that, you know, six, six or 12 months, it'll get your credit score up and you'll be able to qualify. I'm like, all right. So now, now I actually know like what it takes. Right. So I just want to stop here and talk about that a little bit. A lot of times we aspire to do something, right. We, we have this inspiration we have a goal. We're like, Oh, I want this thing. But sometimes we don't really spend the time to understand the different moving parts that it takes in order to get to that thing. We just focus on getting to that thing, which is great, right? You got to have a passion and a goal to do something, but you also need to understand the moving part. So in this, in this instinct, I want to buy a home. I want to be a home buyer, right? But I cannot go and buy a home if I don't understand the process in which it takes to actually go and purchase one. So part of that, I needed to find out who do I know around me that knows about buying homes, right? Luckily I had some people in my church that had multiple properties. They're constantly flipping. So that, that was a starting point. I went to them and then they directed me to a lender that they know in order for the lender to inform me on, you know, the, the financial aspect of it. So then I went to that financial person. They asked me to develop documentation. Mind you at this time, I'm only 22 years old, right? To develop documentation, Bring the documentation to them so they can see where I am. So sometimes 
people don't have the documentation. If you don't have the documentation, how is the lender going to know what, like, what you make and where you are, right? So a lot of times when we think about our, f- our future self, the goals that we set out, we get hung up in the process because we don't have the stuff that's needed in order to continue to move forward. So that's the stretching piece, right? And, and it goes back to what, I'm, what I was talking about in the video I made earlier this week. The stretching piece is when you need to make the commitment in order to work through something and get that particular thing. So at that moment, if you don't have the documentation, you got to figure out what do you need to do to get the documentation. But for some people, that becomes a hindrance. You're like, oh, I don't really know. Like that's going to take a lot of my time. There's probably some alternative. And that's the problem. Sometimes there's no alternative, right? There's only one path. If you don't have the documentation showing what your income is, how is the bank or the lender going to know what you make in order to determine what you can get approved for? So there's no alternative, right? Like some, I know there's other ways of getting money to fund, but on the traditional way, like you have to show your income, you have to show what you have, right? So if you don't have that, then you have to work on your booking, your books and and show what you actually make, right? And if that takes time, then you got to make that commitment to, to, to make that investment, right? So then as the lender kind of started to inform me of what the pathway was, he said, Hey, it's going to take you six, roughly around six, six to 12 months. If you, you know, if you show this, 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 and you're, you build upon your, you just bought a car recently. So you need to have a little bit more history in, in your car payment. Your income is great. It seems like you make enough money to at least get qualified for something. I'm like, okay, that's great. Right. So they're giving me marching order for me. If I was like NC, I could have been like, Oh no, you know, Six months, 12 months, that's ridiculous. I don't want to wait that long, right? Like, why do I want to wait that long? That That's not cool. Like, I just want to get the place now. And then I might end up doing something that jeopardizes the opportunity that I had, right? So it's it, that patientness is so important in that process. You need to be patient, right? You need to develop the time to make that commitment in order to show what you need to show. And sometimes you might not have it at that moment. And then you have to have a learning heart, right? You got to have humility and humble yourself in order to come alongside those who have already experienced that particular thing that you want or you want to get. So then they can teach you what the process is like. And that that's what the journey was for me at 21 years old into being 22. So I made that commitment. It was a long process. It took some time. Six months comes my credit score is much higher. I've been in that employment for a good amount of time. There's some consistency there. The banker runs all my stuff and I get a number, right? Here's a range of how much you can go and purchase a home. At the same time, the person that I was going to, to advise me around the process of purchasing a home, he said, Hey, you should probably buy a multifamily first, right? Where your family can live on one floor and then you can rent out the other floor. I was like, great. Told my wife about it. She wasn't too crazy about it. And I said, hey, this is a starting point for us, right? So right about the time where I started to get, I got all the pre-approval stuff. My numbers look good. The person that was mentoring me said, hey, I just found this property. And it's going to need a lot of work. But if you're interested, we could, you know, we can work towards you purchasing after we're done renovating I went and looked at the property. Oh my gosh, it was a dump. Like it was a dump. The structure was really cool. It was a two family up and down, you know, stairs in the front, stairs in the back, good good side yard right there in the city. Um 
wasn't really, some people might have said it's not really the best neighborhood, but it's not the worst neighborhood, right? And I looked at it and I was like, whoa, like this place has potential. Because remember, I'm all about potential things, right? So I, I don't see like, I don't need the finished product to be in front of me in order for me to get excited about the possibility. I'm all about the possibility and the process, right? So when I saw it, I was like, oh, I can see it. If you can really fix the walls here, or put that up and do this, like I can see how that can work. And I convinced my wife to consider that place. She's like, all right, we'll consider it. And we'll start looking at other places as well. One of the things that I realized when I was looking at the pre-approval stuff, I noticed that the lender didn't really consider all my income. And I was like, what's going on? So I was sending him several emails. I'm like, hey, like, I don't see this. I don't see I was like, no, 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 no. We calculated everything, you know, because if, if you're working part-time, we can't count this or we can count that. I'm like, but like my overall income doesn't reflect what my income is right now. Like what what's going on? Anyways, so I got pre pre-qualified for a much lower I think at the time and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be transparent to you my listeners at the time I think I got pre-approved for anywhere between I think it was like 215 and 235 thousand dollars right so this is 12 years ago so in the city where I lived in New Hampshire Manchester New Hampshire like you could you could find some there, there was some option there was some really good option 10 12 years ago um for homes, like a good size home for around that price as a starter. So I went, I started to, oh, like, you know, look at different things. And I would always meet with the, my mentor as he was renovating the place. And when we got closer and closer, he's like, hey, you know, this place is, I'm planning to put it up in the market for around like 245, um, 245-ish. I was like, he's like, yeah, that seems like a little bit out of the range of what you're looking to purchase. And I was like, dang, man, I really wanted to buy this place. So he started showing me other places that would come up in the market. And my wife would, you know, my wife and I, we would go look at other places. And then one of the meeting that I had with the lender, I was like, all right, I'm going to bring all my stuff with me. So I literally brought all my documentation and I showed him and I started circling things. I'm like, hey, I was looking at my pre-approval it seems a little bit low. And, and and half of that was because I was also influenced by the idea of this multifamily that my mentor was renovating, where I was like, if I can qualify to get that, like, I'm just going to go with that. So I'm sitting there in the meeting, literally like walking with him, every little income that I make, circling things. And he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't include this. I didn't include that. I'm like, dude, like you've, you've had that like since the beginning, since like six, seven months ago, like that's my income. I've been teaching at this place for this long. And this is, he's like, Oh, I totally didn't guess what happened. It brought up my overall pre-qualification from like two fifteen to two twenty five ish was my pre-approval before all the way up to like two fifty. And I'm sitting there, I'm so pumped. I'm like, oh my gosh, like we reached the range to actually buy this multifamily that we're talking about. I called my mentor. I'm like, listen, we're, we, we can, we, I don't want you to put the place in the market. We're going to buy it. And, um, so he's like, just send me the letter. I sent him the letter. I'm like super pumped And again. So I just want to pause that for a second, right here. You had a subject matter expert, the lender, not looking through all your documentation, what for whatever reason decided to pre-approve you with a lower rate, right? Because I do, I did my due diligence for that six months when I was going through the process of building my credit and doing all of that. Like I actually understood the process. 
That's why it's so important to understand the process. If you don't understand the process, then you're oblivion to the reality of what the thing is. And you can you can sell yourself short, right? And I think just my persistence, once I started to see, like, this doesn't add up based on what you're telling me and my numbers that I'm providing to you, I'm going to come and show you so we can make sure that, like, you've gotten everything and that it's reflecting what my income is. And that was the critical thing. And that's why I always say, during the stretch period, it's about learning. It's about iteration. How do you take what you learn and put it back in order to inform what you do moving forward? Because that's the critical piece. So if I didn't spend the time learning about the process, I would have never been able to say, okay, let me go back to this lender and actually show them all my documentation so they can see what I make. So once they saw it, they're able to increase my overall, my overall qualification. And that made me more possible to actually go for the multifamily that my mentor was renovating. So we go and we get close to everything. We agree. I think it was like for like, 245 ish or something and i learned about the kickback the first time home buying program so i'm coming in with like i think it was like three percent down and then there's a kickback to go towards closing meaning like ten thousand like I, it's almost like i'm financing it for ten thousand more and then that ten thousand goes back to pay for closing so i'm learning all this stuff right like i'm excited i'm like so pumped so during the ev- evaluation process come to find out because the, the, the property came with a really big lot that was in front of the house. The, the, the family that used to own it previously, they owned pretty much that whole entire street and they broke down the property in different sizes, different family members sold different parts. The problem was that lot that was with the property was in the title, but it wasn't in the deed. And when the family sold the other part of the, their property, it, that lot went with the other part. So what that meant was after the house got evaluated, it lost almost 25. It lost a whole, it was like, maybe like, I think it lost like, I think it was close to like $30,000 in in valuation. So the highest that I can pay for the place was 225, which is crazy, right? So we went from 245 to 225. Yes, I lost a lot, right? That's a good side lot. But it allowed me to come in much, much, much cheaper. And the seller agreed, purchased the place, it was renovated. The entire thing was renovated up and down. Um, but it had a lot of old stuff in it too. The heating system was old and all this stuff. And so this is where I started to fail forward. Okay. Multifamily, two levels. It has a basement. So I come in and I am aggressive. I come in and I said, okay, we're going to renovate the basement. And churn in, into a living space because if my family and I are living on the second on the first floor then we have access to the basement so what that meant was renovating the basement separating the heating system into two different units and also bringing the washer and dryer to the second floor for the tenant mind you this is my first home it's a multifamily. I come in with the idea of doing all this work right that's the number one step of the failure. Why? Because I did not evaluate what the cost was going to be, but also if it was worth it. If clearly, if I was coming in buying this multifamily, knowing that over time it was going to be too small, then it probably might have not been the best place to buy. Or that's the place to buy and then start saving up and looking in the future to move out and go somewhere else. So I came in very aggressively 
we bought the place in January, I believe. And then from January on, we I started to get some different people to come in for different stuff, heating system, all this work. And when I was thinking about my income, because I'm, I, I was always like, I always work really hard and teaching dance and speaking and having, you know, part-time jobs here and all that. Like, I always thought that like, this is just my starting point. I'm a 22 years old person. I'm just going to continue to make more money in order to close the gap. Right. That's not really a good approach to think about it because what happens is there's not a lot of cushion room. So everything that's coming in is going directly to the expenses that I've acquired. And that's really where I started to fail forward. Well, I probably started failing in, in, in place first, right? So we start the renovation. The entire basement is chopped up, right? All the heating system had asbestos pipe covered on it. So that needed to be removed. So all this cost that I wasn't like, this is my first home. It was already renovated before I moved in. And now I'm getting to this, all, all this renovation. I'm learning along the way. You need this permit. You need that permit. You need this pipe. You need to remove this. You know, And the cost just start building up. So then what I started to do is I started to put a lot of that cost in credit cards. Mind you, I never really had credit cards. Now I'm putting all the costs in credit cards. I'm like, all right, I'll just work harder and I'll make the difference, right? Like 22 years old, right? Like I'm, I'm putting a lot and I got tenants on the second on the second floor and, you know, they're paying for the rent and all that. And then some disruption with the tenant because I need to put a new heating system on all that stuff. Like and the people that I hired, like it was people that I, I heard, you know, they were recommended. So I was I didn't go through like a reputable company for everything. And they're working on the project at night after the regular job. Just a mess. Just a whole, whole ton of mess. And it's creating friction between my wife and I. It's creating friction with my tenant. Like, I definitely put way too much on the table for being a first-time home buyer and then jumping into all this renovation and, and having to manage all this stuff, right? And that, and that was the starting point. That was the starting point for me. I learned a whole lot. First, as a, as a, as a tenant, as a landlord, having tenants, you know, stuff gets broken, who do you have to call to fix stuff? Just like so many different things I'm learning, right? And then on top of that, it's like all the rules and regulation and how the contractor, like as I'm learning, I'm failing so bad because it's a new experience. I'm, I'm foreign to this experience and I'm just getting hit. And I'm like, whoa. So that now I'm starting to think future, right? I'm like, okay, the next couple of months, once this is done, I'm going to have to try to get more gigs for my speaking or for this so I can pay off, you know, all the money that we owe. Like, it's just, it's not putting me in a good spot. Because when I first started, when we first bought the place, I was always paying like $500 extra, like $700 extra on on my mortgage. So I had a lot of retainer money that was coming in that we put on top of our principal. So, and then once I started getting into the project that started to eat up. So like I would like miss my mortgage and then that, that balance that we paid on top would just cover it. Like I made some mistakes, like some bad mistakes, whole lot of mistakes during that time. And it just, it just, it kind of crushed me a little bit, but at the same time I was learning along the way. I learned a whole lot. So at the end of the project, we got a renovated, house i mean uh multifamily and then the basement is completely done and 
new heating system and all that. And I'm like, wow, like we actually did it. But a lot of the stuff was still lingering from some of the payment that I had to make from the credit cards, right? Because I didn't pay everything all at once. And then we stayed at we stayed at the place for almost five years. So probably like I would say like two and a half to three years, we ended up paying for all the stuff um, that we that we owned during the the renovation phase. And at that point, being there for almost five years, like I've learned a whole lot about being a landlord. Um, we had different tenants. Some of the tenants worked out. Some of the tenants didn't work out. You know, and at that point, I've I've educated myself about the process, right? Twenty two years old, multifamily, had to go alongside different mentors that taught me about the process. Made a lot of mistake financially, made a lot of mistake with different people I hired, but it was a learning process. And and I just I just want to take a little freeze here. It's like. Part of when you're when you make when you make a mistake and when you're failing and at that moment, in order for that failure to be to mean something is your willingness to learn from it. Because if you choose not to learn from it, then you're setting yourself up to repeat that same thing again. And you're being naive about it. Right. Because part of that is like taking ownership. Right. You're taking ownership of it and saying, hey, I dropped the ball. What can I do differently? What can I do to make sure that I don't I don't do this again? Because there's people that are around you that are impacted by the decision you make, believe it or not. And I think for me, that's what I realized at that moment. I was like, I, I, I dropped the ball and I can't not do this again. Like, I have to learn from this. So then part of my toolbox, I learned everything that I learned along the way while I made those mistakes, like, became tools to me in moving forward to making sure that I didn't do. So four and a half years after of living there, so now we have we have like good equity. We have like amazing equity in the place, right? We have tenants, right? So we've we always play we always paid and and whatever and there's some equity there, equity in renovation. And we decided that we wanted to start looking for another place for us to move into. And we were going to keep the multifamily so I was working for this technology company. It was a startup. You know, it's a little bit of a risk. Awesome team over there. And I'm in a process of purchasing a new home. So part of that was understanding what the process is. So I learned that, I learned that during that process, they're going to take almost 75% of your income on the multifamily. And, um, and, and, and that's included. So you have a, you kind of have an advantage because your multifamily is, is an asset, right? Where money's coming in. So then I can go out and find uh, a single family that I can move in with my family. So I'm super pumped about that. I'm so excited. So another, right, like four and a half years, five years later, another learning opportunity, right? Because the first time it was, I didn't have another property. Second time, now I'm learning what, is it, what does it look like in order to show that you're going you're gonna to be able to have income on the both units. And then what does that look like in terms of what you need to show, right? So I learned that you needed to have at least a certain amount in your bank account in order to show that if something happened with the multifamily, you can still cover, you can still cover the um, the mortgage and then your the home that you're buying that you can also cover the mortgage there, right? So it's like then that became like an eight month process of making sure that I set up enough funds to show that to the bank in order to get pre-qualified. Ended up getting pre-qualified, working for this tech startup. And we are 30, like couple of days, like maybe like three weeks in closing before the bank does all its validation 
I get let go with like 35% of the company of people that were working there. I'm like, oh man. So when I got let go, I wasn't even afraid about like finding another job. It was really more for me. It was really more about like, oh, we're in the process of closing on a home. Like, and they, you know, my boss didn't know at the time. And, and so when, when they called, the bank called to get validation of employment, the director of operation told the bank that I no longer work there. And so the bank reverted back my, uh, my approval. And so, so that part of that failure had nothing to do with me, right? That second failure had nothing to do with me. That was circumstances that occur that I couldn't control that led to the decision that, that happened. But I knew for sure that was, that was a learning opportunity, right? I didn't make enough income on my own beyond my nine to five in order for me to get pre-approved of a home. So at that moment, like I was like, all right, I got to make sure that I diversify my, my income. So I'm always not relying heavily on my nine to five, even though that was always a thing. I always had other gigs, but obviously my nine to five at the time was what showed a little bit more stability in the bank was growing by that than like speaking engagement that was sporadic or teaching dance. But at that moment, I realized that I needed to have a foundation. I needed to have a foundation that was beyond just my nine to five. So we lost the property. And it was no problem, right? Like at that time, it's like, at least we still have our multifamily. Like we still have a place to live where for other people, that situation could have been worse, right? If you, if they didn't have a place to stay at. And during that process, it gave us like another, probably another year before we were back in the market again to look for a place. I got another job and, and whatever. So, and then I, I, I learned at that moment, I was like, if I can get another fixer upper, um, I can get a project loan that covers a lot of the the bills to fix up the place. I could probably get in a much lower rate, fix it up. The equity will go up. So we ended up finding this property that was like plenty of like plenty of room for us. And one of the issues that I realized in the property was it was a, it smelled like cigarette and black and mild. So the people that used to live there, like they just smoked it up. So I knew for sure going in there, a lot of first time home buyer were going to either lowball their offer or not want the place, but I saw it because of the neighborhood that it was in and the size of it. I was like, Ooh, if we can get here, I can fix it up. And then the value of it will go up right away. And I also educated myself in the different lending process that were out there, knowing that there was a loan that you can get that includes renovating a home, right? Another, another learning process, right? It's all of these things. It's just creating the space to learn about what's out there, right? Because I could have easily limited myself because I knew for sure the last time around five years ago when we went in, we purchased a place and then I ended up doing renovation again where I was like, next time I'm going to make sure that it's baked in. It's baked in into the loan. So I'm not taking in other money out and creating, you know, putting potentially putting my family in a financial risk. So learning about it, I was prepared to make sure that I understood all the requirement, what the contractor needed to show, what type of insurance they needed to do and what I needed to do in order to be qualified for the, for the actual renovation loan. So I did all that process. And then we decided in the midst of that, that we were not going to keep our multifamily. We were going to sell it. And we made like good, good amount of profit because of all the renovation we did and then where the value of properties were. So all the money that I put into the place and all the money that we lost was made up because of, the equity that that multifamily had by the time we sold it. So then the new, the new place that we, that we bought needed renovation. It was like four months of renovation. So we had to be resourceful. Uh, A buddy of mine owns a bunch of property. We lived in his two bedroom apartment while the other house was being renovated. And that's part of the sacrifice, right? So sometimes if you want the end goal, 
either you pay for it or you work through to getting that end goal. For me, I knew for sure, like if we take time to renovate this place, we can make it what we want it to be. And um, going through the uncomfortableness of a family of three living in a two bedroom, like it wasn't really the worst situation because we could, we knew like after the renovation was done, we're going to end up moving in there. But that's the sacrifice we had to make, right? Like I just want to highlight those themes, right? Like you have to learn, you have to put the space and time to learn so you can educate yourself what the process is and then you can, but then at the same time, not everything is linear, right? When it's linear, sometimes you have to pay more in order to get that experience or you can sacrifice something in order to eventually get to the experience that you want. And our end was finding a fixer up or fixing it up, maybe living in a place temporarily that's not really fully conducive to us as a family of five, but knowing that in the end time, in the end goal, we're spending less on it and then we can live comfortable in it after. Right. And that's exactly what we did. So, and then after that, we were able to move in into place and we lived, we lived at the place for three and a half, three and a half years. It was awesome. A great experience. And so, so that's the piece I wanted to talk about. It's like when you are failing at the moment, it eats you up. You feel down. You feel like you are a loser. Like you, but it's, it's about how do you recollect yourself? First, you have to take ownership when you're breaking the rules. When you drop the ball, you have to take ownership. Like, this is happening because of me. I need to fix this. If you don't take ownership, forget about it. You got to take ownership first. And then you have to figure out, how do I fix this? Right? Do I have the skill set and the knowledge to fix it? And if you don't, what commitment do you need to make? Who do you need to go to to help guide you to the process so you can make this better? And as you're making things better, sometimes it comes with a lot of sacrifice. You need to make sacrifices in order to improve the situation that you're in. And a lot of us are so quick to talk about the changes that we want, but we don't make the sacrifice in order to work through the changes that we need to be. And in a lot of my situation, when it came to failing forward, when I was failing in the present, I had to take ownership that I dropped the ball and then what I needed to do to make it up in order for me to move forward. So I want to encourage you that like, I'm telling this story to you because we all make mistakes. We all drop the ball, but we all have an opportunity to take those mistakes and turn into productivity in terms of how we move forward. And in my journey as, you know, a 22 year old buying a multifamily and then deciding to do a bunch of renovation to it and, you know, putting myself in financial jeopardy and then learning from the experience, going with the second property where I understood that there was other options to renovating without having to cuff up the money myself that it's baked in within my loan making that sacrifice and then taking the mistakes that we made and actually turning it into equity and when we sold the place and made a little bit of money from it like that i just want to encourage you like all that stuff it takes time it really does take time and it takes ownership and then most recently we um i ended up needed to um i was renting a space for my office and i realized that during covid 85 percent of my business went remotely so i was like if i find a place that's big enough where i can bring my office in the same place where my where i live that would consolidate a lot of my expenses and we started looking around uh, a year ago and we ended up finding a place that was kind of perfect for our situation and the same thing it needed a lot of renovation and we put our best foot forward. We ended up landing on the place and we worked really tirelessly for the first four months. So then we can move out of our place and move in here. Um, and we've been working on it 
there's still other projects that's still being done in the home, but everything that I've learned within the last 10 years around buying property, how to set up your finances, what to not do, what kind of contracting you need, how the lending process works, how to position yourself, where to make sacrifice, where to not make, all of that came from some of the failures that I had to experience along the way because it it was completely new experiences. As a 22-year-old who didn't come from a from a background of, you know, owning your own home within your growing up. Like it was all, everything was just, it it was a learning process and there's a lot of learning there. And I want to encourage you as you hear this podcast today, that sometimes the learning process feels so intimidating and we run away from the learning process because we don't see ourselves. It's not, it's the path doesn't seem easy, but sometimes that's the only option you have is to learn, apply and execute. And as you make mistakes along the way, as you learn along the way, you continue to er- to I- iterate the process to improve. And that's what has always worked for me is learning along the way and making the proper changes and building upon, you know, the positive outcome and also the negative outcome that occurs. You're building upon those experiences, you know, to shape what you do moving forward. So 10 years in, you know, I've learned I've learned a lot. I've learned a whole lot. And I still have a lot more to learn, but I just wanted to encourage you as you listen to this podcast today. It's not just about accepting that you're going to make failure, but it's more important of what you learn through those failures and what you learn to not do moving forward. Right. Because some of us are so quick to take ownership of the failure and allow that to be our identity. When you allow it to be your identity, you're never going to move forward. It's the progress in which you make after you have failed is what allows you to fail forward. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it helpful. If you if you like it, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. Persevere to excel. Take ownership. If you take you got to take ownership of every action and every move you make. And that's part of being you know real about the experiences of what occurs with your everyday action and don't allow the intimidation of something that you don't know hold you back from you experiencing it but at the same time don't allow the failure that you make to be an identity of who you are allow the failure to inform what you do moving forward thank you so much persevere to excel appreciate it